Welcome to CTSNet to Go, bringing your discussions about the most relevant topics in cardiothoracic surgery. The Cardiothoracic Surgery Network, known as CTSNet, aims to connect the global cardiothoracic surgical community through communication, collaboration, education, and interaction among cardiothoracic surgeons and their teams across the globe. Learn more at ctsnet.org. My name is Shanda Blackman, and I'm just one of the hosts of CTS Net to Go. We hope you enjoy. Welcome to this series of interviews with the giants of thoracic surgery. My name's Joel Dunning, and I'm here at the STS in Phoenix with Blair Marshall. Thank you very much for coming to talk to us. Uh, Blair, you're a thoracic surgeon in Washington, D.C., and you've practiced there for 24 years. Uh, and prior to that, you did your medical degree in Georgetown and your fellowship at Harvard. Uh, and uh, we're absolutely delighted at CTSNet that you've uh, sent us so many of your outstanding videos. And uh, in particular, it's the videos on mediastinal tumors and thymomas that I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, so firstly, for, for people watching this who maybe have done quite a lot of open thymectomies and things, um, do you have any good hints and tips about how to move from an open approach into a VATS approach for thymectomies? Um, well, I think one of the critical aspects of um, switching to a minimally invasive approach is really understanding the anatomy exquisitely from the angle that you're viewing it. And so I think, you know, one of the hazards that um, people are afraid of getting into would be, you know, injuring any of the veins. And so... Um, with medical students and residents and training um, them, I often use some of the digital online tools like um, BioDigital Human to reorient them to the anatomy from the perspective that they're used to looking at it to the perspective that we're going to see it from. And then I'll use videos actually in our conference to show them the operation um, to get them in that mindset. Yeah, it's a really good idea, isn't it? And often in thymectomy surgery, it's the opposite phrenic that's the difficult one to see, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and also, I think you're mentioning that you sometimes use simulation as well uh, in your training. Is that right? Yeah. It is. You know, for, um, again, teaching people, they don't necessarily always have the skill set. I haven't found a model for um, thymectomy yet, but uh, I will often work with them um, in the lab just on the individual skills that they'll need. Um, to go through the operation. Yep. So for a surgeon out there perhaps who's got a small centrally placed thymoma uh, and, uh, and they want to you know, have a go, where, where would you recommend to put your ports, which side, uh, and a few good quick easy tips for them to keep them on the right track? Right. I think for um, those cases, I prefer to uh, come from the left side so that you can see um, the aortopulmonary window and the fat pad that drapes over there very clearly in the phrenic nerve. You need to see the phrenic nerve on the right side, and I find that basically for women, cosmetically, I like to put the ports along the inframammary crease from the sort of mid-clavicular line all the way up to the axilla. Sometimes I'll use three ports, sometimes I'll use four ports. I use as much as I need to do the correct operation and uh, have the visibility to do a safe procedure. Yeah. And, uh, and taking the tumor out, you sometimes take it out sub-ziphoid, and, and uh, how, do, how do you recommend taking it out? Yeah, so I really like extracting tumors sub-ziphoid because of the um, absence of injuring the intercostal nerves in that location, and you can get quite large tumors out through that approach, and so um, for patients with uh, larger tumors, that's typically what we use. 
Yeah, and I suppose for the surgeons out there, exactly as you said, they don't want to, they're worried about injury and it's the anomenate uh, vein and that little thymic ve vessel there. So if you've got any good tips of get out of jail free cards for them or how to be prepared for something like that. Right. You know, I think the sealing devices have really changed our specialty. And so I, my um, go-to, I guess, sealing device is the ligature. And that allows you not only to take the branches off the anominate vein, but also when you're going up into the neck to get the branches coming in from the mammary vessels. And sometimes arteries up there can be a little problematic. I think if you run into trouble, the you know, thing to do always is to not panic, uh, to put some pressure and... Um, uh, you know, if you can get a sponge ball up there, usually my incisions um, aren't big enough for that, but um, a little bit of pressure goes a long way. And actually, I've noticed using um, pressure in the chest, given that the venous pressure is quite low anyway, you tend to just have less oozing than you would normally because of the pressure that you've created in the chest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the, the other issue that's sometimes a barrier for people to move to a VATS approach is getting it out of the neck above the anominate. People mm -hmm. find that difficult. Mm -hmm. I wonder if you have any advice for that. So um, my uh, preferred view of the neck is actually putting the camera in the um, most medial port and using an angled camera. And with that, you can see straight up into the neck. And with the CO2, that kind of expands the soft tissues. And so again, if you stay anteriorly away from any of the vessels, that plane is pretty uh, easy to dissect and you just have the strap muscles coming down, um, inserting on that posterior aspect of the sternum. And once you get through that, it's pretty um, easy. And uh, we have thymomas, but we have benign conditions and it's the myasthenics. Uh, these are often young people that, that are most concerned about their long-term outcomes and cosmesis is nice, but they want to be absolutely sure to get the maximum benefit from the operation. So what would you say uh, is, is a sort of acceptable amount of tissue to take and what, what are we, should we be aiming for? I think that we take the same amount of tissue that we do in an open approach. And I'm talking basically from the cervical thymus all the way down to the pericardium, pericardial fat pads, and everything from one phrenic to the other is, I think, what yeah. we should be doing. In the AP window and underneath the mm -hmm. anominate vein, yeah. So, so at the end, we, need, we do need a completely clean yes. uh, mediastinum, absolutely. Um, uh, obviously, if you're on one side and you're having some difficulty on the other side, do you have any tips for finding the opposite phrenic? Um, well, I usually start at the mammary vein, and then if you open the pleura, you can see that and then get down. Um, but also if you're, you know, just starting, you may want to start with a bilateral approach just so you feel comfortable in your approach and make sure that you can um, get everything that you want to get. Yeah, and so, so let's say we're getting a bit more confident and tumors are getting larger. I mean, what are the limits of VATS? When does it become crazy to just put a camera in and have a look? Um, you know, it's interesting. The last patient that I opened, I put a camera in he had a thymoma, and he had drop metastasis right below the AP window that actually, had I not put the camera in first, I'm not sure I would have seen or known about. Um, and so I'm very happy that I did that, and I subsequently opened for invasion of the vein. And um, I think that uh, certainly vascular invasion is a reason um, to do it um, open, but you know, with the advances in our technology, Right now, I'd say you'd never do it with vascular invasion, but I'm sure that that's going to change and someone will start doing that. Yeah. And what kind of patients do you send for chemotherapy preoperatively? Um, 
anyone where I think that it's not going to be resectable or thymic carcinomas. Um, yeah, and does that make it technically more difficult to remove? I suppose they're quite advanced tumors anyway, aren't they? Yeah, I haven't found that, um, I mean, it's rare that you give chemotherapy up front, so I'm not sure that um, I could weigh in on whether or not it makes it more difficult. Yeah. And, uh, and are there any new great gadgets that are going to help us there? You were just mentioning before that you've, you've even got some three millimeter instruments. Things are getting tinier all the time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I have these three millimeter instruments because we do pediatric surgery in my hospital, and that's how um, I was made aware of them. And um, many of uh, the people that work on my team with me always see what I'm trying to do, and they know when I'm struggling. And so they themselves come up with solutions for me and bring me, you know, the, everything but the kitchen sink in order to help me, you know, work through the problem. Yeah, great. And uh, one thing I loved about your videos, you're getting people home the same day sometimes. I mean, how do you get people home same day after a thymectomy? What are the key steps? Yeah, so, you know, that really came from work that I was doing when we did transcervical thymectomies. It was an outpatient procedure. And so um, when I switched to VATS, it was no longer an outpatient procedure. But then, really, you start questioning, why, why is it not? And... Um, we used to leave chest tubes in for drainage, but then why do we do that? Because certainly the pleural surface, like the peritoneal surface, is very absorptive, and general surgeons don't leave drains. So if you know that you don't have any bleeding and you're not at risk for bleeding, what would be the reason to have a drain? And so um, because I'm using CO2, sometimes I like to have a drain in transiently, as I get rid of all that intrathoracic CO2, and especially I'll open the other contralateral pleura, and so you want to make sure that that gets drained. And I'm very aggressive about having our um, anesthesiologist do a um, valsalva and hold it for a long time to really make sure that all that CO2 is evacuated. And then we extract the drain. And if you've done great blocks and they have no pain, and really they're emotionally set up to go home the same day or go home the next day, however they you know, want to do it. And um, I think part of that is preparing the patient that if they would like to leave, that that's okay and it's safe. And, um, and so that's how we've managed to do it. Yeah, I'm tremendously jealous of your ability to provide local analgesia for such a long time. Can you tell us about this amazing yeah. new drug? So, um, you know, it's uh, not approved by the FDA for intercostal use, but um, our institution and several other institutions have been using Expirel as an intercostal block, which is liposomal bupivacaine. And um, that provides an unimaginable uh, duration of analgesia. And so um, many patients who get this drug, their narcotic use is less, and um, even they, um, patients after VATS come back and say, well, Dr. Marshall, I never took a narcotic pill. I just stuck with Tylenol and Advil. And many patients prefer to do that. It's, it's better for your head. And if if their pain isn't severe, they can do it that way. Yeah, it's amazing. And, uh, and I suppose the one other thing that always comes up in thymectomy surgery is what about this robot? What's easier, a robot or us by vats? Yeah, <laughs> I think that, well, it depends on what you call pain. I think technically the robot is ingenious and the binocular vision is just um, better than you can ever get with vats. However, at least in my institution, getting time on the robot is more painful than doing a VATS approach. And so uh, that's where I pick a, a VATS approach. But 
Certainly there are people who do it with the robot and the robot's a great tool and I think will allow us to even push the envelope further given the articulation of the instruments. Yeah. What, what do you think the future might be for thymectomy surgery? Yeah, so I, I think eventually they'll be doing them with vascular invasion, uh, likely with the robot so that you can you know, clamp the vein over so something. Um, yeah, well, it's exciting times. Well, thank you so much for coming to talk to us. Your videos have been absolutely fantastic. Uh, I have secret news that you've got more for us up yes. your sleeve, haven't you? So certainly keep, keep looking out for more of your outstanding videos. So thank for you. myself, Joel Dunning, and everyone at CTS now, I'd just like to say thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to CTS Net to Go, your resource for podcasts focusing on cardiothoracic surgery. Find more discussions as well as surgical videos and other cardiothoracic surgery resources at ctsnet.org. You can also keep up with CTSNet by subscribing to the YouTube channel at CTSNet Video, by following at CTSNet.org on Twitter, or by liking CTSNet's page on Facebook. I'm Shanda Blackman. Thank you for joining us on this latest episode of CTS Net to Go. Have a great day.